Welcome to Connected. I'm your host, Rudy J. Today, we welcome Nancy Care Wilson to the podcast. So Nancy has been involved in healing and metaphysics for over 25 years. She has come to understand that energy is a language available to everyone. She works as a psychic medium and an animal communicator. Her goal is to bring clarity, communication, and compassion to all individuals that she works with. So I had the pleasure of receiving a reading with Nancy, and I was so curious and blown away by her ability to intuit and interpret and to offer guidance and really be this channel for energy to pass through. So I really wanted to connect with Nancy and for her to share her journey and her story of how this came to be. And this conversation is full of the theme of intuition and connection, but also learning to trust what you sense, what you feel, what you are here to do your purpose on your time for your time here on this planet. And Nancy also shares that it hasn't always been easy for her to tap into her skills, though she's always known um, she was a channel for energy and a light worker, as she says, um, but that those around her didn't really understand or support. So it actually took her a little bit of time to tap in and to really connect. So she's got some powerful insights and powerful messages. And let's get Nancy onto this episode. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me. This is quite an exciting experience. I love it. And I'm really excited to pick your brain. So let's jump in. And why don't you give the listeners a little bit of insight as to what you do and how that may or may not be separate from who you are? Yeah, this, uh, well, what I do, what I do, I mean, there's so many facets to that. But um, the way I work is as a psychic medium. but that is almost just the tool in the toolbox of being an intuitive. I think that's what I identify with most is an intuitive uh, sort of seeker of information, connection, communication, compassion. That That's sort of approach where I use psychic medium tools to uh, bring that about for people. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's taken me many, many years to kind of come to the conclusion that this is what I do. And it's also who I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, other than, you know, the various titles we take on in life of uh, mother, wife, whatever. um, This is the the core of my being is is energetic understanding. That's Mm -hmm. how I kind of reach for it. I love that. And did you want to share a little bit of how this journey started for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, it, it was always there. Uh, as a kid, mm. um, I had all kinds of inputs, uh, most of which were totally frightening because I didn't understand them. And uh, my family wasn't comfortable with it. So I uh, shut it right down. Um, and there was, you know, Definitely repercussions to that in my understanding of who I was. Uh, But, you know, by my mid-30s, I thought, you know, I can kind of explore who I am. (laughs) And, and, you know, been doing that ever since. So uh, I've been doing readings professionally for 15 years. But uh, the exploration of of mediumship especially is really the exploration of who you are. And that's uh, 
a lifelong venture. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess it really began actively, if you like. Uh, in 93, I decided to take Reiki, which opened up all kinds of things and uh, connected with that healer side of myself, which was always in place. I'd always been able to put my hands on animals and make them feel better, that kind of thing. But uh, it was more formalized. And then uh, just read everything I could about metaphysics for years and then uh, started training with different people and kind of got the skill set that I feel comfortable with. And I'm still learning. I mean, still love going to training sessions and doing stuff online. And, you know, with COVID, that was that was my sort of ticket was to explore the online world of training. And yeah, it's yeah. Uh, kind of got me where I am now. I mean, many, many, many great teachers. Uh, this is not something you just go, oh, I was born with it. I'm fine. No. It, the exploration and expansion of what you've got is so important. Um, yeah, there's people who come full-blown into the world as mediums, but to be able to deliver a good communication that is healing, I think that does take some training. Yeah. Mm, definitely. And you mentioned growing up, you knew or you sort of sensed that you had this intuitive quality or inherent intuitive nature but that it was yeah. stifled and and sort of you shut it down. And I I like to kind of explore this idea because often you hear people saying, you know, like they have this calling or they have this purpose or this passion, but they're afraid or they don't know how to yes. dive. Yeah. So what, yes. in, but the other side of that is that I feel the more you repress or the more you ignore, like you'll still get those little whispers and those little signs <laughs> and those little, you know, so I'm curious Whereas we say, yes, in the in the psychic world, you get hit upside the head with a two by four occasionally. Yeah, exactly. So, what were those sort of signs for you that were coaxing you towards this path, even though you know your family were not very supportive or understanding? Well, my first, and this goes right back to like age three. uh, My first inkling was past life recollection. Right. Mm. I had full blown memories of past lives and it was so frustrating to me because my sisters wouldn't acknowledge them. Right. And it's like, no, we went here. We had the horse and the buggy and we went for a picnic and, you know, and they just like the catchphrase in my family was you dreamt it or you have a really good imagination. You know, that was the sort of thing that kept coming up. It was a kind of a gaslighting. They didn't know they were doing it, but that's uh, the result was I just doubted myself completely for many, many, many years. And uh, so there was no sort of understanding that this, even if it was symbolic, might mean something, you know, like that kind of, uh, let's explore that. No, that wasn't happening in the late 50s, early 60s. So (laughs) Mm. Um, anyway, uh, but I always had that, like, I still have really clear memories of sitting on a rock talking with a crow. Like I just know those things happened right um so but nowadays i'm quite happy to understand that that's that was my child self trying to understand what this was all about and i was woken up every night for 13 years with spirits showing up and freaking me out i just had no understanding or how to deal with that so um in some way i managed to shut that down but uh yeah in my in my later years some of the things that brought me back to it were uh, situations that I couldn't deny, you know, 
Um, like for instance, I was in university and was walking down the hall with my boyfriend and a guy walked by me and I heard in my head loud and clear, this is the man you're going to marry. Like the guy who walked by. So <laughs> I'm like, well, who said that? What? <laughs> anyway, it turned out it's true. And 41 years later, we're still married. Um, wow. yeah, just weird little things of, of being shown so clearly that, a, I wasn't alone. I was, I had support. I had direction uh, if I wanted it. And um, yeah, that's, I stopped denying it and then things got a lot easier. <laughs> I, yes, I love that. I resonate deeply with that. And for the listeners, I mean, we all have that intuitive voice, whether that is, you Ooh, know, yeah. just a little gut feeling or if that's clear direction like you're having. Yes. <laughs> well, gut feeling we, is huge. Mm-hmm. How yeah. can we how can we sort of learn though to, you know, to listen to that, to the to the little voice that says, This is what you're gonna do, instead of thinking like, was that a thought I had? Was that a desire? Yes. How do we start to yes. To you know? tap into that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I've been shown, taught, whatever, um, <clears throat> is getting into your body is about the best thing you can do to open up some of that understanding of, <clears throat> excuse me, of your own intuition. Because it's from there that you're listening. It's it's from, you know, it's not from your brain. Um, it's really from your body that you get the best inputs. Like people will say gut feeling or gave me goosebumps or, you know, your body's so ready to, to tell you, you know, to really explain or give you a heads up, you know, listen carefully here or pay attention, those kinds of things. Um, but also there's a sense that if you, if you go into a, some sort of form of connection, however that means, whatever that means to you, that you're going to have an input that's true. It's not, you can't make it up. You can't, when you have an instinct or an intuition or even a thought that comes up in your head and you can't trace the train of thought, then that's guidance. That's something that's coming to you intuitively. Um, If you, if you try to follow back what you were thinking at the time and you don't get anything, well, then there's your answer. Um, It's hard though, because we, we're sure we make stuff up. We're sure we're, we're just wishful thinking or, you know, placing meanings where there isn't any. And, uh, you know, I'm still to this day thinking, oh, I must be crazy because I'm hearing voices in my head. You know, like it's just how we're conditioned. But um, just taking little by little steps of trying things out, like, you know, I wonder if I'm going to see so-and-so today and put that as your intuitive question. And then get a yes or no feeling from your body or from that thought that has no train of thought and see where it goes. I always say experiment, validate, like take notes, get your vocabulary of what means what to you and go from there. Because for me, it's goosebumps. I get goosebumps if I get things right. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm asking my guides what, 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 and I get a goosebump, then I know, okay, that's the way to go. It's just simple communication. And what would you say along your journey has been the biggest moment of wreckage to wisdom? <laughs> uh, I wasn't even sure I understood what that was, but mm-hmm. I, I will say the moment I finally went, okay, this is for real, for real, <laughs> was um, I was driving with my mother. We were coming out of Brockville, headed towards Crown Place. I live out in the country at that time. And uh 
I was behind a truck. It was one of those dump trucks with another dump truck trailer behind it. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to follow this guy for long. I'm an impatient driver. I like to drive quickly. So we were coming out of town. So it was one of those 60 zones. And I was like, eh, when is it going to turn into 80? So I was kind of riding his tail a bit, getting ready to pass. And I heard in my head, back off. And I thought, what? What? Like, you know, I don't normally hear things in my head when I'm driving, especially. And at that time, I wasn't doing readings. I wasn't doing any of this work. It was just right out of the blue, back off. And so I questioned it, and I, my mother's even more impatient than I am. So I said to her, I'm just going to back off until I can see clearly, because I knew she was wanting me to pass as much as I was. And so I backed off, and, and then I hadn't acted yet, so I was still talking to my mother, and I hear my head again, back off now, like really adamantly loud in my head. And it's not my voice. It's a guy's voice. <laughs> okay, Like it's a different voice. So I break like actually break as I'm explaining to her and as I'm doing that the trailer flips and the whole truck trailer flips and rolls right in front of me and I had plenty of time to pull over the truck trailer went the other way the driver was actually fine because we stopped and made sure and he was going to call a tow truck and we drove off and it was right then it was like okay I can't ignore this this is you know, it just saved my hide. Like literally my life was on the line if I'd been trying to pass that guy and it flipped on to me. Um, so anyway, that was, that was my big, okay, you're for real. I'm going to start listening now. And I like this because yeah, that's a, that's a perfect interpretation of the question. When I, when I pose it, it is, it's <laughs> like, it's a moment in your life where you're like, okay, I could take this and I could totally just continue to ignore and to kind of sabotage what I know yes. is, is not going to carry me towards where I'm supposed to be. Or you take that moment of impact and you say, okay, how can I turn this more as like a light and cast it on what I need to be pursuing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's, mm-hmm, go ahead. It, no, it's just amazing how I've, what I call guidance stories, you know, like where people get some sort of input from an outside source that literally changes their life. It's just so interesting how many varied ways that can come through. It doesn't always have to be dramatic. Mm. It can be really quiet moments, but um, it's to me just lovely. Mm-hmm. You get, you feel like your boat is finally getting blown in the right direction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, okay. So you have this moment and you make this decision and you tell yourself, okay, I've, I've got to start listening and following this. What does that, what does that look like? What does the follow through look like in, in, you know, the the days or years or months to come? uh, You know, it's pretty incremental, but um, it was quite soon after that I started channeling. I actually started allowing my voice to be used and that again led to more and more guidance because as I sit with somebody and I'm I'm allowing my guide at the time I called him Samson I had a little sidebar (laughs) it's been 15 years and he finally came in and said actually my name's Antonio (laughs) so I had to I have to shift that but at the time I just gave him a nickname because I didn't know who he was and and it it's funny when you're connecting with guides you have a sense it's not just one entity 
personality, whatever. They're sort of like a front man, you know, and you're getting guidance from a lot of different sources, but it comes through that one communicator that can reach you, right? So um, as I began to work with Samson at the time, um, I realized so many of the messages I was being given to give to somebody were for me as well. Like they were definitely for me as well. And so I started listening to what was coming through, basically. When I'm doing channeling, I don't hear, like, I'm. Hmm, it's hard to explain. I'm sort of off in another room. It's like you can hear your parents arguing downstairs, but you can't hear what they're saying, that kind of thing. But you can, you get the content, you get the the energy of it. And if I talk about it with the person afterwards, I can remember stuff. But when I'm actually in connection or allowing uh, it to speak through me, I don't have a lot of memory. At any rate, uh, it it brings you it brings you so much information that that just gradually points you in the direction you need to go, or it gives you the information you need to develop yourself. And that's uh, yeah, it, it's it's taken a lot of years. But you know, the first point of channeling was like two words, and then maybe a sentence. But it felt so profound and kept me going and opening and trying and reading and meditating and doing all those things that you know will help. Uh, and now it's fluid and it's just straight communication. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. And okay. I'm like, my brain is like firing up all these <laughs> questions. I'm like, I want to know more. <laughs> so, okay. First question, how, when you're channeling and taking in this information, I mean, you did a group reading well, a group of readings for myself and some of my friends. And we were all like, she just did five readings back to back. And that's insane. And (laughs) we, and you just kind of had this like grounded ease towards the end. And we're all sitting there like, I would be so tired. Like, you know, (laughs) how do you create or have you learned to create sort of a, a separation or a space where you detach or where you recharge? Like, is it ever too much? Like, can you shut this off? How does that work? Oh, there's an off switch. I'd be insane <laughs> if there wasn't an off switch. No, I, I'm, you know, it's, it's like subtly aware. Things will call my attention. Um, I, my eyes will draw my attention to something during the day, and I know just intuitively that that's important for somebody to hear later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I file it away. Like I have a, a long dog walk thing and, you know, like I've just got different things built into my life where I'm open to receiving stuff. This is part of it is creating the time to be open to receiving stuff. Um, and, 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 and I know that's partly a gain for me, but in doing readings back to back, the key thing for me is grounding, like really grounding between every reading beforehand, afterwards, uh, the next day. Uh, I used to when I did fairs, because, you know, you were stuck for two, three days in a row. Um, you, the grounding was so essential to getting through. And I saw psychics burning out like within the first morning of a two day event. Because they were just, they were, they were so high energy, you know, they were, they were literally getting fried. So I realized the importance of that. And that again is from teachers that I've, I've worked with that uh, emphasize that and learning really effective grounding. I think that came about, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Gary Rondo, who's a hypnotherapist, or he's retired now, I think, but, um, we had a great grounding exercise. I had all kinds of input on that. And, and it just seemed like if I could maintain that, I'm okay. 
<laughs> Not to say that by the end of four or five readings in a row, I am so wide open <laughs> that it's just crazy. Um, I sometimes sit in my car for about 10 minutes before I go anywhere because I'm, I'm not really safe on the road. (laughs) I might be grounding, but it's not quite working yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My favorite thing to do after a bunch of readings is eat a hamburger because the beef is so heavy (laughs) Mm -hmm. in this energy. It just yanks me back into my body. Mm. But yeah, not not necessarily the ticket for everybody. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to find what works best for yeah, you. Absolutely. And, you know, trying different things. Um, some people really value having a sense of protection. They go through a whole protection routine. I've never felt the need for it, but I understand that that can be very comforting and keep you from, you know, feeling exhausted. But I, I definitely... And it really wiped the next day, but not so much at the time. The energy just sustains me. Mm-hmm. And if everything ended tomorrow, what's one thing you would regret not doing? And the other side of that is what's one thing you'd be proud of leaving behind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many things, so many things I would regret not doing. But um, mostly it's... Uh, the things that I've sort of been limited by uh, just financially, I would love to travel. I would love to see parts of the world on horseback. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. one of my things I would regret. Not doing. And I had, I remember having an epiphany a few years ago thinking I'm not going to get to meet everybody, like literally everybody in the world. And I thought, what a stupid notion is that? But there's mm-hmm. some part of me that really desires that connection. Like when we travel, you know, we're we're low-key travelers, camping, that kind of thing. It's the conversations I have with people in stores or the gas station or whatever. That's the stuff I value about travel. Not so much how beautiful the scenery is. I enjoy that to the fullest. But I really remember all the little connections. And I think that's part of, you know, what I what I feel is part of my thing here on the planet this time around is making those connections or feeling connected to other people. Um, that, yeah, I would, I, I would regret not maximizing that. Let's put it that way, whether it's through travel or through, uh, community, um, that's part of what I really like about, about doing what I do and being here at this particular time when we have such ease with connection, like, you know, virtually or in person. Um, when I'm proud to leave behind, I, I feel as my kids. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just watch them and I'm in awe of what they do and uh, where they're going in their lives. And I just, I think it's it's something that knowing that that lineage is carried on um, is kind of, kind of important to me. Mm -hmm. And do they have any sort of intuitive influence from you? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They, they represent it very differently. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, both my kids are really, what I consider quite good at manifesting. Mm. <laughs> like, how did you do that? You that know, is like, a skill. I, yeah, they're energetic, like wizards or something. They just mm-hmm. seem to be able to pull stuff out of thin air. Um, my youngest son was is a medium. Like he he has that innate ability to the point it really disturbed him as a young kid, and mm. I suggested he could ask that it stop, just like I did, and he chose to do that and hasn't 
you know, reconnected with that at all. But he had a lot of experiences of spirits showing up at night and, you know, demanding that, you know, he call for help and that kind of thing. And then we find out the relative past and, you know, that kind of stuff where there's no real doubt that he was in communication with spirit. But um, it was very upsetting for an 11 year old, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, he, he has really good instincts and he doesn't mind using them, but, uh, they're, they're not pursuing the kind of thing that I do know. But, mm. uh, yeah, it, it's amazing how, you know, we have sort of <clears throat> almost like uh, set ideas of how it's supposed to look, uh, when people are using energetic understanding and, it's just so unique to every individual and how you run your life using that connection, that ability can be just as varied as, as the people are. So mm-hmm. I I say that they're, they're just as connected as I am. They just use it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a really good point and so important to, to, to just mention there, like you have these gifts, something, um, I, I did an Akashic record reading and oh. yeah. And her name is Katie Garber. And she had said to me, it was very powerful. She just said, just because you can do something doesn't always doesn't mean, mean you have to, or you should. Exactly. And in, well, in my context, she was more so speaking. I mean, I'm, I'm very intuitive and I, I can definitely pick up on things and hear things and sense things and see things. But it was getting to the point where it was really exhausting me because I almost felt this unnatural pressure to like then want to help everyone and, and, you know, yes. do everything for everyone. And whether that's just an <laughs> ear or like, you know, and she was, she just said there, there is no way you can do all of that, nor do you have to. And I just kind of felt this like obligation. I was like, well, not everybody can do the things that I can do. And she said, it doesn't matter. You're going to see what's in alignment and everything else. You can just trust yes. that it'll be taken care of. And exactly. it, yeah. And it was so powerful. And, and also, as you're mentioning, these sort of, you know, being a manifester or, or just being intuitive, you can use this or uh, these skills as a tool, kind of like anything else, you know, and apply it yes. in a way, yeah, in a way that just it resonates with you. But I, I am curious because I do, I do actually also have some friends who are starting out or, or, or just starting to tap into their, you know, intuitive side and, and mm-hmm. what have you. And there is some fear there. There, I know people who are even afraid to meditate because sitting and like things come up Aww. and they're like, I don't know what I'm hearing or what is this? And yeah. I mean, but it can be scary. Yes. I think if, if you're like you mentioned at the outset, if you don't have a teacher, if you don't have guidance or so, yeah. what are some, what are some ways we can maybe mitigate the fear there? Or what might you say to someone who is, is, you know, feeling called, but is, yes. is afraid of what might come up? Well, again, it's so individual um, what's going to give comfort. Um, it's sort of like bring out your biggest guns, like whatever works for you. I, I've always felt connected to Christ, even though I grew up in a very agnostic family. Mm-hmm. I always felt, you know, sure, why not angels? You know, um, there was things that initially my brain you know, what it, what I was exposed to as a child made sense. Um, a lot of things I read in the metaphysic world was like, oh, white light, bring the white light, you'll be protected. And that never worked for me. I never felt a match. And then one of my teachers uh, suggested that um, because I resonated in a different frequency, perhaps, that metallics would be more a sense of protection. As soon as she said it, I knew I was linked to copper. It just 
because I wear copper jewelry. I love copper anything. Mm -hmm. And so I brought that energy to myself and instantly felt calm and comfortable. Now, I've never, as I say, never really called on protection, but I know that in my exploration, especially early on, that that having that in my back pocket, if you like, gave me a sense of comfort. Um, for somebody starting out, I really think finding your own system that works. Um, and I remember reading a book, Michelle Belanger, I think it was, who wrote uh, something about ghost busting. Uh, ghost hunters guide no survival yeah something about survival i should really look this up <laughs> ghost hunters survival guide maybe anyway it's um it talks about ghost busting and clearing rooms and clearing houses and stuff which is all well and good but not necessarily what everyone wants to do but the first couple of chapters she goes into a lot of detail about how to establish protection for yourself and i found that very valuable because again you know everybody would give me this one example and it just didn't work for me. So I was like groping for something that would. And uh, the idea of establishing a barrier, a wall, or what all those things that <clears throat> would come up. Anyway, this this lady outlined how you you come up with your own notion of what feels like protection. And, and you recreate that in your thoughts. Now, some people can't visualize. And um, what I would recommend for those folks who are exploring and feel uncomfortable is create a knowing Allow yourself to know you are protected. Like once you engage with that part of your thinking, that's your strength. Like those that don't visualize have an incredible ability for cognitive, you know, like they're actually able to say, I know this. <laughs> like mediums, I, there's British mediums, and that's how they start all their readings is I know this about the person, I know that about the person. They never get a picture. It's all through their knowing. So it's exploring how you work in your senses if you know you're a visual person, then you're probably going to have clairvoyance ability and, and an imagination to create a visual protection. But if you're not clairvoyant, if you're more clairaudient or clairsentient, then you got to come up with something else. And it's really trial and error. Um, yeah. And again, grounding, I can't say it enough, mm -hmm. uh, automatically you're connected to that energy of Earth that is very protective of its own. Like, it, I, yeah, can't say enough about that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, grounding is, is huge. And I feel like right now in my own life, grounding has played such an incredible role. And I remember how challenging it was in the beginning to yeah. remember to come back and to ground and like, well, what does that mean? Or what does that feel like? Or what yeah. does that look like? Yeah. yeah. And, and now it really is like, it's such an empowering like center you feel within yourself. And I think it does definitely lend to this too, like you mentioned the knowing and just the, okay, like the visualization and then just trusting and the, and just really yeah. kind of feeling like, yeah, I'm like, I almost can't put it into words, but all of my sort of resistances or my biggest, you know, things that I've always been fighting against or struggling with just seem to kind of like, okay, you can, huh, yeah. you, you're in a place of like, <laughs> I can breathe. I got this. And yeah. yeah so I, I agree with you. Grounding is far and, none. So important. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, everybody has guidance. They have a guide mm. or two or three, you know, who's to say, but mm. that's their job is, is to look out for you. So I always assign that like right at the get go, when I started channeling, I put down parameters like mm -hmm. I do not want anything scary. I do mm -hmm. not want anything too graphic. 
or horrifying. Mm. And I don't want any ugly entities or energies coming to me. Thank you so much. So <laughs> that was my guy's job was to do that. And it's very interesting how they've stuck with that. Because as I've kind of grown through in the mediumship, you run into people who've passed that it's less than pleasant. And they've created a whole symbolism for me so that I don't get horrified or grossed out or, you know, dreaming of it at night again, you know, like that sort of thing. So it's really up to you to set up those parameters. And I would say it's not as dramatic as people want to make it. So, you know, like this is everyday life. You're connecting with a spirit who's in existence somewhere else, if you're interested in mediumship, that is, or even in the psychic stuff, you're connecting with what exists and is already functioning, if you like. So it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be scary. Um, it's just life in another way. You know, it's just life without a body or life at a distance. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. when when I'm connecting with somebody, it, I sort of avoid anything that that starts to poke into the drama side of things. It's like, mm-hmm. no, that that's probably me making that up. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not it's not as dramatic as we might think it would would be. Anyway. Uh huh. And just on that, that I, I almost feel like it's just we're we're just not taught. It's just not you know streamlined no. for us to yeah. It's for us to view it, and then it gets skewed into this like spooky like otherworldly yeah, Hollywood version. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious about your perception of or your understanding of the dream world. I mean, Uh, I, yeah, just, just, I just kind of want to go there for a moment because something that really changed for me, I lost my younger brother two and a half years ago. And I remember being told by a couple, um, spirit guides and, you know, I've, I've, I've done some healing work and they just said, like, if you see him in your dreams, like, just know that that's, that's as real as if you are sitting in your living room. And I just was so comforted by that. And it almost lends to what you're saying about, you know, it doesn't have to be that crazy. It's not this dramatic, like I'm dreaming and I see him and I give him a hug and it's like, Oh, I hugged my brother yesterday. And it was such a great, and it's, yeah, it's just really become normalized for me to just, you know, I just kind of trust that like, if something's happening in my dreams in some dimension, in some way, it is a real occurrence. Yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely. And you can tell when you wake up and you think, gosh, that felt so real. You know, Mm. like it's a different feeling in the dream state when you're connecting with someone from the other side. It's like there's a reality to it that you can't, you can't make up. Mm. You know, you might be talented in your imagination, but you just can't, you can't do it as thoroughly as when you dream like that when you're meeting people. Um, I, it's I'm quite interested in dreams. I, like I said, I had a difficult time up until when I was about 13. I literally had nightmares every night, and it was people showing up. Uh, I was wakeful, so I had spirits showing up, but I also had really horrific dreams. And and thank goodness, in a way, my parents didn't really deal with it. Mm. <laughs> you know, nowadays, I'd probably be at a psychiatrist in no time, but um, they just let me work my way through it, mm. which, uh, you know, isn't pleasant. But at the same time, uh, I think it did train me to shut stuff down that I didn't need or like. Mm. Um it, you know, took a while, but, uh, yeah, I, I was so incredibly sensitive 
And mm-hmm. of course, at that time, that was an insult. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been called sensitive my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it, trying to embrace that now, it's really hard when it's been an insult for most of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find dreams fascinating. I had one um, that I, if you don't mind me recalling it, uh, mm-hmm. that that is similar in a way that um, I I saw my mom just before she passed on the Thursday. and. Um, the night before she passed, I had this dream that, uh, she, she came to me and we were headed to a cruise ship (laughs) and we were all piling on this cruise ship and we got up to the receptionist who was taking, you know, all her information and everything. And she let my mom go by. My mom goes up the stairs and she's doing conga line already. My mom was a real feisty, fun loving person. (laughs) And she was doing this conga line with the other passengers And the lady at the reception said, oh, no, this isn't your trip. And in the dream, I knew my mom was passing. And, of course, we were not to follow her. And so I woke up and I knew she'd gone. I just knew it. And so, yes, I got the call from my sister and we went off and did all the things we had to do. But uh, when I got to her senior's home, um. The nurse that met us at the room to let us in to say our goodbyes kind of thing was a nurse I'd never seen. And it was the lady who was at the reception in the boat. Wow. And I, it just absolutely floored me. Like, how does that work? How does that even happen? But it was so comforting. Like you say, it was so comforting to know that this nurse had been with her and she had let her make her way onto her cruise ship. And that she was also there to encourage us to live, right? To, to just carry on. Um, but dreams are very powerful. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think even ones that don't have, you know, huge significance or whatever, have bits of information for you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially things like recurring dreams, where you gradually pick away at it and you finally understand what it's about. They can be very informative. I mean, our our subconscious is hard to get to, right? You can Mm -hmm. meditate like all to crazy and still not get where you want to go there. But dreams are an automatic link to that. So, Mm -hmm. but I also, I also think you shouldn't fixate on them, you know, like, yes, jot stuff down, put it in a book if you want to, but don't, you know, look at it until you've had a month or so go by and then see if something pops up for you, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. don't be too attached. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so much of it, I feel, is establishing vocabulary. You're establishing mm-hmm. what your symbols are. You're establishing what, you know, the people that show up in dreams, what they mean to you. It's like your own self trying to educate yourself. Uh-huh. But you got to learn your own language first. Because if somebody says, oh, you dreamed a teeth, it means this. You know, well, that's mm-hmm. one interpretation. <laughs> but it may not mean that at all for you. Mm, learn your yeah. own language I love that learn your own language <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> what's one lie that you believed about yourself for too long that I was making stuff up that I was crazy mm. that I was super imaginative child yeah yeah mm. and that it couldn't possibly have had a past life like that was I remember first reading about past lives and I thought this is a thing because mm. <laughs> Because I knew I'd had them, mm. but yeah, yeah. And in those moments, how do you, how do you kind of listen 
when you know, or when you're telling yourself, you're, you know, how do you kind of retrain, I guess, is it, is the, is what I'm trying to ask. How do you let go of that language and that narrative and start to enforce a more truthful one? Uh, I would say a lot of forgiveness. Mm. Um, because I, you know, I spent a lot of years angry, right? Mm. How could they, why did they tell this little child, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I had to forgive. I had to really dig deep. And mostly it was for myself because, Mm. you know, you, you kind of criticize yourself for not being stronger or more uh, committed to your own beliefs, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, So I had to do a lot of work. I think that I know, uh, I don't know if we talked about this before the whole open, 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 you know, the, I love you. I forgive you. I'm sorry. Thank you. Mm. Those, that really helped me. That really helped me that and the four agreements. Mm-hmm. I figured, well, okay, you know, I got to work through this because my anger was holding me back. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. holding anybody else back. Right. Mm-hmm. I was drinking the poison as they say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just working through a lot of, um, um, of sort of understanding that you have to hold yourself in a place of compassion I found it too hard to directly forgive or directly be compassionate but I could hold myself in a place of it I know that sounds convoluted and just semantics but it helped me get around my own uh upbringing and training to do everything for everyone else and everybody else was right and I was wrong all that kind Mm. of stuff so the the semantics of holding myself in a place of compassion allowed me to get to a place of forgiveness Mm-hmm. Um, even saying I forgive myself is hard. Like I really, it's just the wording. It's funny. Um, but that, that allowed me to kind of reach for the, all the pieces. I did a meditation recently with, um, medium Fleur. I did a training with her, uh, about intuitive development basically in, in mentorship and and it, the meditation was so lovely it was about calling back all the pieces of you um and you, you know you can imagine how that would feel but reaching for all those bits you'd either rejected or allowed somebody else to hold on to you know mm. even in their judgment of you or what they called you or how they perceived you just calling all that back was so lovely mm. um yeah i think we all find our own way with it but it's it's uh, a, a bit of a process, you know, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was an like it's really just this last couple of years that I've felt really comfortable. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's just my path. It's not, doesn't mean, you know, it has to match anybody else's, but. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier um, that you love connecting with people when you travel and yeah. that that's such a, that's such a highlight for you. And honestly, the basis of, of my podcast is called connected. And I really do, (laughs) of course, and I really do believe that connection is kind of like this underpinning that runs through all of our lives. And whether that is, you know, your connections with your friends, your family, your significant other, um, I really do feel like without this connection, this inherent connection and this understanding that we are all connected and how we can live in that space, um, that there's not really, I don't want to say there's no point in what we're doing, but it just kind of comes down to connection yes. is just so, so important. So what would you say your definition of connection is? Uh, um, I would say when you're so completely in alignment with your higher self mm. that you have no option, but 
to be connected. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of those things that I, I kind of concluded that I can't do it external to myself. I have to do it through myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so my reaching out isn't reaching out, it's reaching up, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess I'm going about this all kind of, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not very well defined for a definition, but I would say connect, full connection with yourself is the best way to be connected with others. Mm, I love that. That's perfect, actually. <laughs> because without that authenticity, what have you got, right? Without mm-hmm. any rate. Yes, I could go on at nauseum, but no, a hundred percent though. It, it, you're it, you're truly that is that is it. We can't really receive or know how to connect outwardly, and unless and, and until we have that deeper connection yeah. with the self, it's the most yeah. important. And it's, it's where you're at, you know, mm. wherever you're at with your own personal connection, that's how connected you can be to others. Exactly. So there's no judgment or leveling up or any of that stuff. It's mm. just where you're at. And it's as perfect as it can be wherever you are, right? You, mm. you can't, you're maximizing when you connect to yourself as fully as you can, you're maximizing. So, yeah. Um, I always, you know, when I look at around, I, I get so much interesting connection when I'm just not trying, you know, mm. <laughs> when you're just feeling in the moment or I, I've noticed, um, like I have, I have a horse and, you know, we work through a whole pile of things together. But one of the things I notice lately is how she will notice when I start drifting off in my thoughts mm. and I'm doing my grocery list. Like there's a part of my routine when I start <laughs> with her where I'm just walking her around the arena. Well, okay. I get, bored and I start thinking about other things and she she just stops like I am not doing that you're not you're not connecting with me and it's like okay right yeah right you're right I'm not <laughs> and you know having something or someone call you out is a really great way to train yourself mm-hmm. um, and I find animals call you out pretty quickly mm-hmm. yeah especially cats yes <laughs> <laughs> a little uh, pat to the face Exactly. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Nancy, those are all the questions that I have. Um, How can our listeners connect with you um, after the episode after the show? Oh, um, well, I have a page on Facebook um, called Sightlines, True Bearings for True Being. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can reach me there. Uh, there's a messenger setup thing there, or if they really want to direct connect, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Facebook, I'm under Nancy Fothergill Kerr Wilson. Fothergill's my maiden name. Mm-hmm. Um, and Instagram, I think I'm just Dan Kerr Wilson. Anyhow, mm-hmm. I'm Amazing. happy to connect virtually. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you do, or, you do readings at what other sorts of offerings? Yeah, I do readings um, either in person or online. I do by Zoom. Um, I also do animal communication, uh, which I do by email with just a photo. I don't go and interact with the animal. I just find they're too distracting and adorable. So (laughs) I just do it uh, from home. Um, Yeah, and, you know, some of that's outlined on my my, uh, Facebook page. I also uh, used to do a meditation group or group channeling, like where I just channel. 
uh, that kind of thing. But I would say in the current times, I'm leaning more towards virtual for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's funny. It's not so much about the the COVID protocols. It's more about the gas costs lately. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I live quite remotely, so that's up. But anyhow, that's um, that's neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, just connecting and you know doing mm-hmm. readings is is my fave. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. Thank you for having me. It was super fun. Super fun. I love this. And any last, anything you want to leave listeners with? (laughs) (laughs) Any last little, (laughs) anything? (laughs) Well, just trust your instincts. That's Mm. uh, when we were talking about connection and and intuition, just trust your instincts. I love that. Amazing. Well, thank you. And I'm sure we will connect again in the future. Love to. (laughs) Bye, Nancy. Thanks. Bye. All right. So that wraps up another episode on the Connected Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here and for tuning in. For all the show notes, just check out right below this episode. If you would like to connect with Nancy or I, our handles, our links will also be included. If you'd like to work with Nancy, pick her brain, shoot her a message. All of her information is here and we will see you guys next time. Stay connected.